Hello, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lions, tigers, and bears, uh, truckers, uh, humans, non-humans, uh, people of this world, maybe a few aliens out there, houseplants. Uh, I'd, just, I'd just like to welcome you to the, uh, the Juicy Graves podcast, hosted by me, Boy Graves, as we bring a guest on our show and talk about maybe a variety of issues, topics, music things of that nature. Uh, before we get the show on the road, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First up, Audible, because which podcast is not sponsored by Audible? Uh, you could use discount code BOYGRAPES to hack into Jeff Bezos's bank account and redistribute all his wealth to the American public. Uh, next up, Welch's Grape Juice, because that's what I bathe myself in every morning before I record my music. Uh, also, the soul of every podcaster in existence. That flows through my veins as I do this podcast and gives you all good vibes, hopefully. And last but not least, Joe Rogan's DMT pipe, because we all know that he makes love to that, 13 Ways to Sunday. I'd just like to start by thanking my, uh, and introducing my wonderful guest, uh, the, the king himself, Matthew King. Everybody give it up for Matthew. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, they, uh. Uh, music nerd, politics aficionado, man of many talents. Uh, man of like I two talents. A, man of two talents. I heard that um, he's a, uh, you're a, you're a mathematician, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I do happen to be a, a math tutor by trade. A math tutor by, how, what's it like uh, slaving for the man as you're nine to five teaching little children? Honestly, it's pretty rad. It's pretty rad. It's pretty What's the um, rad. you ever run into like any any really misbehaved children? Yeah, actually, well, I mean, it's not really misbehaving. It was, I think, it was more confusion on my part. But I had this, uh, I had this kid today, and he was doing like a little assessment, and um, I I thought for the life of me that he was cheating. Like, I was just so convinced that he was cheating. But then when I checked so his, just, when I checked his assessments, like all the answers were wrong. So I don't really think he was, I don't think he was cheating. So so you just like called him out over no, like nothing. No, no, I didn't say anything because like I was gonna say something. Then I looked at the answers and I was like, if he's cheating, he's doing a really bad job of it. So I just let <laughs> it slide. I mean, I've, well, I've tried cheating before, and I'll get like, like C's. But that's because, like, if you're, like, copying off the person next to you or yeah, something Yeah, you got like to switch it up so that you don't op on both of you. Exactly. Exactly. So I got to ask, because I know that you went to work today. Yeah. Do you, do you make sure, because I know some people do. Did you eat breakfast before you went to work? Absolutely not. Absolutely not? No. Well, on a, I'm, man, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, man. What I've, are you doing? I have a personal. I just am not a fan of breakfast foods like waffles, pancakes, eggs, all that shit. Just do how not do you, like it. How do you feel about cereal? Oh, I got I got, cereal has a special place in my heart. But it's more uh, like yeah, I'm I'm more of like a three a.m. like butt ass naked in the kitchen like eating four <laughs> bowls of cereal <laughs> type of person than I am like you know bright and early rise and shine. Yeah, I get, well, um, what is it? Gosh, I remember one time, like, I, I woke up, because I didn't even know that people ate cereal at night. This is when I was, like, eight. And I get up, 
after a really long nap. I walk through the hallway and it's pitch black outside and I see my brother eating cereal and I see my mom watching an NBA game and I'm standing there so bewildered. I'm like, is it night or is it morning? And that's when I got uh, introduced to cereal as more of like a, a snack food. Would you so, say your life has changed been. significantly since that incident? I think it has. Although I do mostly eat cereal for breakfast. Speaking of, what what do you think um what do you think your favorite cereal is? Oh, without a question, it's the cinnamon or no, not the cinnamon, sorry. Wow. Jesus Christ. There maybe there's a little question. No. The vanilla checks. Vanilla checks? Yes. Bro, if you haven't I've had, uh, you've had them, haven't you? No, I've had I've had Chex Mix. Like the dry Chex like, Mix. Mix is not have like goldfish and shit in it. No, it has oh my gosh. What even is it? It has like the, the checks uh gosh, just a bunch of like dry you don't even crunchy, know what's salty in it. stuff. I don't even know what's in it. But <laughs> It's good. It's great. It's great hiking food. That's why I love Chex Mix. I never had Chex cereal. I'd say, because I, I know maybe you know how much I've expressed my love for it, but in my personal opinion, I do think that uh, Cap'n Crunch is mm. the best cereal. Have you, you, have you had Cap'n Crunch? I feel oh, like it's I've, very. I've definitely had Cap'n Crunch. I would say it's top 10, probably. But Vanilla Chex just has, like, such a special place in my heart that I don't think I'm ready to part with that. Does it? Because I know one of the reasons why I love Cap'n Crunch so much is because it really, like, maintains its crunchiness. Like, even post-milking. Yeah. It's it's still very... Like, do, do Chex hold up the same? Because I know that there's, like, air holes in Chex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. When I pour myself a bowl of Chex, I don't let it get to the point where it's, like, soggy. So I wouldn't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm because, just shoveling uh, it down my face. I I hate it when um people eat their cereal and they get down to like the last like two or three and they're just kinda like floating along in there. Cause what I do is I like to uh kinda drink the milk as I chow down. Oh. To like keep the, the, the same ratio of See, milk to cereal. That's throughout. not me. I use way too much milk. And then I have a little glass of cereal-flavored milk at the end. That's the moves. That's, I don't know. I'm not, like, a big enjoyer of milk, but I'm also not a mm. big enjoyer of uh, dry cereal. I know that... Um, well, there's, like, an, it, it wanted, there's sort of an interesting dichotomy there because I love milk, but I'm also lactose intolerant. So, you know? Well, isn't, isn't the only risk... Of like having dairy and stuff while you're lactose intolerant, like literally shitting like... your brains out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, a pretty I, big risk. That's a that's a small price well, to pay. Like if you really love milk. Shit, I guess so. Well, I can't really like put a price on it either way, because like if someone paid me five dollars and was like, I can make you not shit your brains out right now, would I take it? I know. Whatever. Yeah, if I had to pay yeah, five dollars yeah. for that, would I do that? Maybe actually. What is it? Um, and that's like a gallon that, of milk you could get for five bucks. Gosh, I, I can't straight up drink milk like that. But I remember uh, Kendrick Lamar <laughs> was doing an interview, and he expressed his love for Fruity Pebbles. 
And he said that when, when mm. he eats his cereal, he pours the milk in, and then he kind of, like, lets it sit for a bit so the cereal can kind of, like, absorb oh, some of the milk. I but know you exactly you don't let what it get you're talking done. about. Yeah, what, you seen the interview or, like, the yeah, thing that Kendrick I, is oh, talking about? I've percent seen the interview. No, that's <laughs> absolutely foul. Um, he's canceled. <laughs> On the topic <laughs> of, like, Fruity Pebbles, though, have you seen the, uh, oh, shoot, what video is it? Is it? Uh, it's one of the Brockhampton music videos, I think, off Saturation One, where they um, they have Merlin in a yeah, bathtub yeah, 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 yeah. full of yeah, like Merlin. fruity pebbles and like. Oh my gosh, which shit. one was that? That was the um. What gold? Balagana. No, it was fucking. Gold. It was. Oh, uh, you, it was junkie. 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 Yes, Andre, yes, yeah, yes. it was off that too. My bad. I'm really. Yeah. I mixed up the music videos. I don't know. My bad. While we're on um. Kill me. While we're on the topic of like like Brockhampton. Yeah. Kendrick, that type of deal. Because I know that you love to listen to a lot of music. Who, because a lot of, everybody has a different opinion on this. Who do you think is, uh, like, the, the best rapper in your eyes? Ooh. Okay. I'm very heavily biased, but I'm going to say Kendrick. And I know that's, like, sort of a cop-out answer. But I, uh, I wrote my uh, extended essay for IB on uh, Good Kid, Mad City and the uh, sort of auto-ethnography that he creates within that album. So Yeah, didn't, um, didn't IB include Damn as, like... Yeah, yeah, as a uh, prescribed text for... for yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think they should have put Tapimba Butterfly, to be honest. Tapimba Butterfly? But wow. That album makes me feel things. I... Uh, it's, it's just... Uh, my brother really... Uh, because he's a big fan of, like, basic trap and stuff, and he thinks it's, like, like, he sees no difference between Good Kid, Mad City, and Tapimpa Butterfly, what? other than, like, I, oh my gosh, it's the weirdest Find thing. Find me he's a like, swimming pool. Is them on... just, is them just putting a bunch of jazz samples? I'm like, bro. I think. Fucking Thundercat? I'd say, like, like. Don't just, <laughs> yeah, oh my. Thundercat's very good. You yes. see a Dragon Ball do-rag? Fucking Probably. Is the uh, oh my it's it's funny ass music video but anyways um I think because a lot of people it's either Kendrick or Kanye Kanye I think who puts Kanye yeah, as be, their number I I feel like with most of the hip hop heads I talk to it's some like they want to appeal to like their old head like friends so like oh you know I gotta have Biggie meanwhile they've listened to like what Juicy and that's it you know what I mean Yeah I think like of old school rappers uh. Probably like get, Outkast, like like Andre. I'm gonna get shot for this. Okay, this is gonna be a very hot take. Oh my gosh, what is it? I got Snoop Dogg. Really? Yeah, I got Snoop Dogg. Okay. If you if you listen to like a lot of those um, gosh, the like those those Inglewood people from the '90s, yeah. bro, they all they all sound like Snoop Dogg. Like they all have that same like. Like that, like really, like loose. And I think because of that, it just doesn't really seem like something special. It's just like that regional sound, and Snoop Dogg's just kind of like the the flagship. My bad. I'm gonna have to have you repeat all that because my dad just walked in my room to ask me a question. (laughs) So, so if you could repeat that whole like, uh, I hate to say diatribe because that has negative connotations, but like everything that you just said, can you say it again? We can, like, cut it out or something. Use tricky editing. Pretend like this <laughs> never happened. 
<laughs> I'm going to put this in just to embarrass you. Put that shit but, in, bro. Okay. I'll own okay. that shit. I love my dad. So, because I know that um, Maddie, or was it Roswell, was showing me a bunch of <laughs> you this... just dox Roswell? You got you to gotta put her on the map. Her music is good enough for people to know who she is, I feel. Like, check out Roswell or AR4U on Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud. Very, very good producer. I'm friends with her. But anyway, she was sending me um, some of these songs from these people from Inglewood, which is where Snoop Dogg is from. And they all have that same uh, Mm G-Funk classic sound. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of, like, it sounds like a bunch of, like, mini Snoop Dogs. And... I feel like, like with Snoop Dogg, it's really just he has that regional sound, but he's just kind of like the the flagship, yeah, Inglewood person. So, I, I think I think past that, like that's really where his like influence and. Well, here's my thing: when you got someone like that, right? Like, um, let me think. Uh, when someone's sound is sort of representative of an entire like subgenre or niche of the music that they make, right? So is it Snoop Dogg has the Inglewood sound or is it Snoop, everyone just copied whatever Snoop Dogg was doing because he was so poppin', he was so, you know, influential in that area that everything sounds like him. For example, like, you know, the entire genre of drill music doesn't sound like Pop Smoke. Pop Smoke just makes drill music. But I feel like Snoop Dogg was the blueprint for a lot of, really a lot of everything that came out of the west coast at that time yeah but like like let's say like like chief keef especially with trap today mm-hmm. he's arguably he's pretty much like the, the godfather of this modern sound does that make yeah. him one of the best of all time do you think chief keef is one of the best rappers of all no, time no i don't think chief keef this is gonna this might also be controversial <laughs> i feel like everything i said jesus christ no i don't think chief keef is one of the best rappers of all time however comma what i would say is listen to Doggy Style. Listen to I know you've already listened to it, but listen to it again. I actually haven't listened to You're, it. Oh my goodness. And you have the audacity I, to tell sorry, me about Snoop Dogg. You, you have the audacity to draw the Chief Keef comparison. Meanwhile, you haven't even listened I'm the, I'm to the about greatest influence. the greatest hip hop album ever produced. No, I'm done. Just... I mean no, that I was, know that that was a that was a reach. I mean, hold, no, 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 no. Uh, Death Row made some really good stuff. I'm hip to, uh, like, especially, like, Old Dre. Mm. Uh, and, like, uh, I, I grew up with Tupac, so I, I think that's, that's really good. But I, I do like that I do like that take. Uh, I know that I uh, I saw on the on the Grammys, because speaking of, like, older rap, mm. I saw, like, like Run DMC and, and Aerosmith, and that made me think about a lot of this, like, music history. And I was thinking, like, there's there's so many similarities between rock and rap. Oh, are uh, you gonna do like the uh, the counterculture thing? No, I I, I want to say like counterculture. You, you've heard but I think that like though, like right? let's say like where it's just people like going against the grain, and like that's their whole thing. Yeah, we're like the, I think um, in that case the rock culture of like you know rebellion and punk shit. Uh, sort of maps onto or is analogous to modern uh, hip-hop culture and their sort of disenfranchisement, or not disenfranchisement, but uh, their sort of lack of connection that a lot of people no, particularly 
uh, in like low income, majority, minority, majority, minority, wow, uh, communities feel with the system as a whole? Have you heard that? No, but what, 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 what I'm thinking of is... <laughs> Are you talking about musical similarities? I'm talking about, no, no, not musical similarities, but really like the history. Because if you think about it, you know, rock and rap, they both originated from, you know, it was, it was like an African-American thing. Yeah. And you know, at one point in time, it became so popular. And when it blew up, there was just a ridiculous amount of subgenres and just things that came off of it. You know, I, I think rap is the same way. I think rap, in the, uh, the, the late 2010s and the 2020s mm-hmm. is what rock was in the 1980s. And, you know, you have, like, acts like where, uh, like, Pink Floyd, where they took a more production, experimental uh, sound point, like, you know, yeah. point, and it, it sold really well. I think, like, the same way as, like, with, with Outkast. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, would you, would you say that like I, I don't. Maybe they have a similar timeline, but would you say that rap is the new rock? I think there is definitely a comparison to be drawn, but I don't want to overstate how useful that comparison is, because I think they're two very distinct phenomenon in their own way, right? So well, I, I think I they, wouldn't. I think so, they sound different. I wouldn't but. make like a generalization about even the sort of cultural or. Uh, marketing uh, legacies of both genres. Like, I think there's a comparison to be made, but I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, a generalization like rap is the new rock. You know what I mean? I think there's sort of distinct yeah. enough differences. Um, I think, And also I think uh, rap has largely retained its, um, its black sovereignty, whereas uh, like rock and jazz... Nowadays, you're going to find just as many, like, white rock musicians. I mean, we all know fucking Elvis stole rock from <laughs> from black yeah. people, right? And well, you know that, like, jazz was once upon a time considered, like, dirty gutter music because, you know, it was black people playing it and people were just mad racist back well, then. Well, anytime, anytime something really new comes along, people are going to get upset. Yeah. I'm going to touch on that point in a bit, but, uh, but, but like, if, if I think maybe like white people are starting to take over like if you look at people like like the baby or uh freaking little tecca the the people that really put money in these rappers pockets yeah. are these like, like middle are class these, like, like white white kids. Yeah. yeah like middle class upper class white kids and if you look at uh people like post malone or like macklemore there's this mm-hmm. there's this appropriation and because they're they're recognizable and they make that like sound that you know these white kids like to hear yeah it sells really really well and i think more people like that are starting to pop up well and I so think, I, I think it's i think that's sort I, of i a, think rap is starting to get like appropriated you know what i mean yeah i'm sorry i'm cutting you off <laughs> yeah i think that's sort of a given um for most popular forms of music you know because you've got someone like uh like you mentioned malcolm Moore. like he made dwarf shop it was I mean, there was, you know, he said curse words, but overall, right, what he was talking about is something that, like, your soccer moms can play. You know, you can put that on, like, the radio in, you know, suburbia, and it's not going to... I'm not, not going to lie, bro. When I was, when I was 10, uh, Thrift Shop and Can't Hold Us were, like, yeah. that was... That was it, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, don't tell me you didn't like it. No, 100%. But <laughs> I guess sort of the larger point that I'm getting at is um, 
since the genre sort of blew up, you've got this uh, commodification, I guess, of it, where uh, it's less about sort of the, quote, realness or like how raw it is and more about how well can I package this and sell it to as broad an audience as possible. And if you're in the American music selling business, that means appealing to white people. It means putting it on the radio in suburbia. It means taking it out of this very sort of niche uh, market. And while I think that that has happened, I also think that hip-hop is unique for having retained its black sovereignty for this long. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well... Because, I mean, largely, you have these people, but most of your rappers, right, it's not really a homogenous mix. You've definitely got a prevailing group. That's that's true. That's that's good. And well, if you if you look at uh, cause rap is now the number one genre. Yeah. So, do you do you think rock is dead? Because I know that Ooh, like no. like do you think? No 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 no, no not a, not even a little bit. So what what do you think? I don't. Think... Where, where do you think rock is going now? Uh, I do think it's becoming more underground. But I mean. You've still got, I guess you could say, this isn't rock, this is alternative, whatever. You've got, like, your fan bases for, you know, your emo rock, I guess as you would say. Like, you know, what, Follow Boy, Panic at the Disco, that was still selling. And while I agree that that's not, you know, Aerosmith or whatever, you've also got sort of an underground uh, community, I guess. Maybe even less underground, just sort of a section, a sector of... Uh, music consumption that's still very into things like metal and punk. You've got uh, a lot of groups now that are still releasing and still... I mean, Corey Taylor put out, like, two songs. He put out a song with, like, Tech 9 yesterday or, like, two days ago. Oh, my God. Did you listen to that? No, but I remember being very into... Slipknot. Yeah. (laughs) I remember uh, when I was 14, I went through a a speed rap phase where I was really into... People like like Tech Nine and Twista yeah. and like Eminem who just go like, I'm like I thought yeah, exactly. that was like so cool. Everyone um, like I feel like everyone went through that phase. I oh my god, I don't even want to talk about the oh, jeez. I think this is I think with the with the exception of people like like Black Midi, mm-hmm. maybe to to be honest, in my opinion, I think rock music has kind of hit a wall. Yeah. In terms of progress. Because in the in the seventies and in the 80s, even in the 90s, it was evolving like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of fell apart uh, in the 2000s when pop music took over. And now when people think of like modern rock music, they think of uh, people like, oh my gosh, <laughs> who made that song Lonely Boy? What do they call it? Oh, the, the Black Keys, <laughs> where it's like yeah. Red Lobster commercial music. Yeah. Like that's that's a lot of the, the rock music that really... Uh, prevails now and sells yeah. where it's just kind of a shell of what rock music used to be okay. so I think really in terms of like like straightforward rock music in my opinion it's uh it's it's not dead but it's definitely like at the end of the line yeah I uh oh, it's my bad I set my phone down yeah I kind of see what you're talking about there but I uh I guess I kind of have to disagree with you there because a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends in real life come from the uh, DC 
quote-unquote underground uh, metal punk scene. Well, no, of, of course, so, of like, course, that music is is still like being performed and being played and being made. Yeah, but it's not like anything new is happening. N- you know what I mean? I feel like that's a very like Fantano take on just because it's not you know the craze like it was. I still don't. I don't think that means the music isn't evolving. Because I mean, you've got sort of rebirths of a lot of genres. Like uh, there's this band that I'm very fond of. Um, from Louisville, Kentucky, called Guerrilla Warfare. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not Louisville. Louis. It's Louisville. Louisville. No, no, Louisville. Okay. Louisville. That's how they say it over That's there. Little... Louisville. That's, I'm gonna not do that. What? <laughs> I swear, if the band ever hears this podcast, they're gonna be very they're gonna, upset. They're gonna be pissed. If they ever hear the podcast, gonna, run, everybody says. If they ever hear the podcast, run me my money, okay? I don't do promotions for free, right? But sorry, from Louisville. From fucking Whoville, Kentucky. <laughs> it's Whoville. Got uh, Guerrilla Bro. Warfare. It's one of my, uh, I think they've really sort of, I hate to say revitalized, because they've got, what, like 10,000 Spotify listeners. It's not like they're, you know, pumping a whole lot of new energy into the genre. But I would say what they're doing um, is sort of breaking breaking the wall or stepping through an already broken wall of uh, between the genre of, sort of your rock slash metal slash new metal, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of like hip hop vocals that they have. So I think uh, with genre fusing and just putting out new art, I think it's unfair to characterize uh, rock as like a dead genre, whereas one where innovation has been stifled. Cause I think we're slowly moving towards almost like a post genre world, like what, Igor was put in the like urban category at the Grammys. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah, that yeah, urban? Yeah. That's like maybe a pop album, maybe experimental yeah, yeah. R and B or something. When I when, you know? I when I listened to Igor when it came out, I was like, because I've been listening to Odd Future for a long time since maybe I was like ten. I was like, this is not a rap album. Yeah, I think we've reached a point in music uh, culture slash history, whatever you want to call it, where a, a point in the realm of music where genre is less a defining characteristic for what people listen to, and it's more a uh, category that labels use to market their music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you ask someone, yeah. if you ask someone, hey, what, what music do you listen to? They'll start listing artists. They're not going to say, oh, I'm big into, you know, rap. They're going to be like, oh, I listen to, like, Future and Lil Uzi Vert. That's 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 a really good. T- I do think that genre is starting to becoming a lot more irrelevant, and especially because a lot of the progress, uh, a lot of the progress that's really being made isn't uh, people creating new genres. I think it's people who are blending genres. Yeah. And so that that being said, mm-hmm. what do you think of One Hundred Gex? <laughs> I knew this. I knew this question was coming. I personally, <laughs> I personally am a fan. But uh, that's because I like shitty music and I want to suffer. I I think it's so fun because it, it I'm is. not. I'm not gonna lie. It's really like unique and it's an experience and it's a good way to get yourself kicked out of your friend's car. Because I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of like Blade or freaking <laughs> Echo Two K. Yeah, neither am I. Not even Despite not Maddie's even like Charlie. Efforts. Oh my gosh, yes. 
Not even not even Charlie XCX. I but when it comes love to love Charlie XCX. Okay. Anyways, continue. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll I'll dive more into Charlie later. But when it comes to 100 Gex, mm-hmm. like there's so. It's like it's like they they do their research. It's very meticulous, but it's also just straight up fun. Yeah. There's a lot of dubstep influence, and as somebody who used to be like very into dubstep, I can not only tolerate but also enjoy it. And also as somebody who produces, I can really appreciate all the little details and stuff that they put in. And it's it's just a fun listen. And yeah. there's just so many things 100%. that they do. So and like, it's 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 catchy as hell. Oh my god. So this is like this is pseudo related, right? It's not really like exactly in the line of conversation, but I think it's a good uh topic to introduce here. I think we've almost reached like I guess this is more evidence of the uh, genre-breaking slash genre-twisting that is going on in music. Um, I think we've reached almost like a postmodernist state where words have no fucking meaning anymore. Because you've got someone like, you know, Lil Uzi Vert, who's saying, oh, I'm a rock star. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm a rock star. I mean, yeah, I think, I think in the sense of the word... Because with, uh, you know, with with the parallels of rap being the new rock, and I know you don't agree with that, I think that these these new rappers are rock stars. Uh, I think if Post you... Malone really wants to be a, a freaking rock star so bad. I don't know why he doesn't make rock music. <laughs> yeah, well, probably because it's dead. Like he wants Isn't to be a dead? rock musician so bad, but he's doing everything except for making <laughs> rock music. Yeah, because rock music isn't good for like volleyball games. I don't know. I think that's I sort mean, of the crowd Post Malone appeals to nowadays. It's like volleyball games. I've actually never been to a volleyball game. And you're a Post Malone fan? I'm not a Post Malone fan. Then I, I hate Post I mean, Malone. Technically, we haven't found a counterexample to my role. I guess I guess you're right then. So so with, with 100 Gex, with the solo right, genre yeah. blending, where do you... Like, what do you think the future of music looks like? Mm. Because we just started a new decade. Yeah. We've seen a few up-and-comers. Where do you think it's going to go from here with this new decade? So, in terms... Uh, I think there's two different ways to sort of look at this question, right? Where um, you've got... Where are we going in terms of commercially music that's selling, right? And then where are we going on people that are sort of pushing the boundaries in yeah. the art form, even if they're not, you know, topping the charts, right? Yeah. So where I see music going from a marketing standpoint is largely, even if it's if it's not already, then I see it moving more significantly towards social media because whatever the newest TikTok trend is, is the number one song on the Billboard charts. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, you're right. you, uh, a largely... Not largely, but a more a significantly ignored um, segment of marketing for the past like decade that social media has been relevant. I think we're starting to see like a resurgence, of, or not resurgence. Fuck me, dude, a surgence, <laughs> a spike, yeah. a spike in um in social media based marketing when it comes to music. Okay, so, and then in- so so that's that's what's gonna sell. Where do you think? the real boundary pushers, what do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, so in terms of uh, electronic production, I think is more where we're headed, 
just seeing what crazy stuff you can do with like auto-tune <laughs> and i don't know i'm not a music producer i don't know about all this, <laughs> all this new fancy what's a what's logic i don't know but whatever they're doing whatever you know your group's like 100 gex or your other sort of what spotify playlist hyper pop groups are doing where they're just they record in like their bedroom and then they just do a bunch of shit to it and then put it out you know what i mean i mean hey it sounds good that's what boy grapes that's what that's what boy grapes is doing (laughs) no i'm not hating on that i just said i think that's where music is going so yeah no 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 no. i agree with you with that and i think Um, uh i think the emphasis on moving the emphasis away from you know um live studio recordings of people playing instruments and towards people you know recording in their bedroom making their like claro bedroom pop and then in cases of people like 100 gex uh then just throwing that into a computer and button mashing until it like sounds like shit and then putting it out that's mean i'm I'm being mean there but you know what i mean right (laughs) you know yeah i'm glad that uh production is being more valued because as somebody who plays the instruments and produces Mm -hmm. it actually playing and singing the parts that's like not even half the battle but being able to put together things in the right way yeah that is where most of the effort is and i'm glad that people are definitely looking at production and valuing production a lot more i think the reason for that is because as production technology or i guess as we could probably do this a while ago. I don't know how production, music production technology has advanced in the past couple decades, but as that becomes more essential to the sound of the music, you know what I mean? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like if you listen to, what, like, Rage Against the Machine demos versus the actual track that they released on their album, yeah, the production is what maybe somebody did a little bit of EQ you know what I mean? I guess so. So I think the role yeah, of a producer yeah, yeah. has moved from just making it extra crispy to uh, really just really making, making the, the song. I mean, yeah. what, the producer's half of a modern rap song? Yeah, oh my gosh. The the, the producers, and I'm glad the producers are getting more credit. Uh, They're doing more work. There's, there's a lot of, the exact, yeah. But hey, that's just how it be. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. because I like how... You took the question, you made two things out of it. In my opinion, commercially, I'm beginning to see where the impact that Lana Del Rey had on pop music <laughs> is going to completely shift. No, no, okay. I'm not even the biggest Lana Del Rey fan. Okay. But when she released, uh, gosh, I think it was Born to Die. Yeah. It was completely di- different from all the other pop music. Because at the time, we had like exciting like club bangers. Yeah. You know, EDM influence like, stuff. Turned down for and what? And she released, <laughs> yes, exactly. And she released this this slower, depressing, yeah, pop music. She appealed to like the and edgy cokeheads. Exactly, and then later in the decade, there was a big resurgence of that. You know, mm-hmm. people like Billie Eilish, and I've heard A uh, and R's when they say when they're looking for people, they think how similar is this person to Billie Eilish, just because of how big the artist is. Yeah, and then very recently. We had uh, folklore, and mm. I know the Swifties are gonna attack me, but folklore just sounds like a bunch of Lana Del Rey throwaways, yeah. and that sold. Dog that mice. sold like 
like yeah. a freaking million copies, I know what and you it's mean. been like like a week. Yeah. And so I think I think this uh, this introverted approach mm-hmm. to pop music is really what the future is going to look like for this decade. Yeah. So um, I know this is like, in term, yeah. I know this is your question, but uh, how do you see that intersection with? Uh, the explosion of more, you know, introverted, introverted, like soft girl music with, um, with the surge in like bedroom pop and like Clara style, like ukulele plus like 12 year old girl. I think they, they kind of, they kind of go hand in hand a bit. I mean, I think they're going to meet somewhere in the middle because honestly, there's, there's a lot of uh, similarities Mm-hmm. in the lyrical content of the two. Yeah. And there's like they're probably just going to meet in the middle somewhere between a piano ballad and a 12-year-old girl with a ukulele in her room in yeah. front of her iPhone. Uh, so I think that that's what pop music is going to look like in the future, but in terms of the boundary pushers, uh there've been two people that I'm really really eyeing. Yeah. And that is and these people have popped up pretty recently in the last couple of years. And that is Black Midi and 100 Gex. Mm-hmm. And you've heard Black Midi, right? I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I mean, I've heard of... Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of this this unpredictable, repetitive noise rock. Yeah. And obviously 100 Gex. And they're both very grating. They're both stuff that you're like not going to play in front of your friends, but you can't help but just enjoying it. Yeah. And so I think stuff becoming more inaccessible more uh just accessing those areas of your brain where you shouldn't be enjoying something yeah. that you just do yeah you know what i mean this these these really uh abrasive in your face songs that's where i think music is gonna go from here yeah so i uh i'm gonna have to go pretty soon so i guess we should probably okay, wrap okay. up I this have, conversation i've, I've you got another? Okay, I have a, I have a couple I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears a bit. Uh, who do you hope wins the presidential election, and who do you think is actually going to win? Okay. Who do I hope? Okay. I'm not a fan of this question. I'm I am a fan of this. Okay, let me let me just tell you my answer, and then you'll <laughs> understand what I'm trying to say. Okay. The pool of people that's running, or that has a realistic chance of winning right now, or even that just still has skin in the game, you know what I mean? Like, I'd consider Bernie is pretty much out, right? He's conceded that he's not winning, you know what I mean? No matter how many people Mm -hmm. go and write his name in, he's not really even still running, in my eyes, right? Yeah, he's not campaigning anymore, so. So, the pool that I see is, what, uh, Biden, Trump, Jorgensen from the... uh, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Joe from the yeah, uh, Libertarian. Yeah, Joe Jorgensen. And then, uh, yeah. shit, who's the Green Party? Jill Stein's running again? No, no. They're, they've got a different nominee this time, I think, for Green Party. I don't remember. doesn't matter. They're not going to win anyways. So who do I think is going to win? <laughs> I think Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden has a lead in all the swing states. I think Trump has completely pulled out of Michigan in terms of marketing. So I think that Joe Biden's just going to pick that up pretty easily by not even spending that much effort on Michigan because Trump's just not even there anymore. So I think Joe Biden is going to get the votes, right? And Trump's just going to keep making an idiot of himself until November. 
So okay. it's not like that being be, said. Who would I? That being said, who do you who do you hope wins? Who do I hope wins? Uh, Out of like those those four that you mentioned. Mm. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to say uh, the Libertarian Party candidate, uh, Joe Jorgensen. I tend to hate uh, people that self-identify as libertarians, but in terms of policies, I have a lot more respect for her platform than I do for either of the two main party candidates. I gotta ask, what, what, what do libertarians? Because I've looked on like Instagram on like libertarian pages. Mm-hmm. And it seems like their whole thing is just not liking Democrats or Republicans. Like, yeah. what is their belief? So, uh, with libertarians, I'd say you've got one, two, three, maybe four, three or four different sects of people that would self-identify as libertarian. So, for one, you've got like the circle jerk. I'm not like other girls. I'm gonna vote for a third party. I'm so woke that I know both sides are shit. So I'm gonna vote third party to you know fucking beat my own dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then. You've got the people that actually kind of uh, know politics, and their uh, their in theory is they're still holding on to that like don't step on me, don't tread on me, Jesus, don't step on me, no step on, st- <laughs> no step on snake. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you've got uh, your section of people that are still holding on to their small government ideas, but will throw their support okay. behind Trump, who was without a doubt one of the most authoritarian leaders we've had in the history of this country. So I think there's a disconnect there between the platform of the party and what they actually believe. And then for your third segment, you've got your wackos who are, like, wearing tinfoil hats and they just think the government's made up of, like, lizard people that want to, like, come and steal their guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then fourth, you've got what I would call your uh, your classical libertarians, if you will, your people that actually believe in the small government platform and tend to have Wait, don't yeah uh, don't, don't republicans no. also share that belief though no no yeah no, republicans no. believe in small government no that's like they're no 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 way not even a little bit what small government party funnels that much money into the military and into the police they just they don't like government when it comes yeah, to point. when it comes to like helping people you know what i mean they're like oh you know black people are on welfare you know, I'm small government. I want to cut that down. But then, you know, Daddy Uncle Sam wants another twelve billion dollars to make a or twelve trillion dollars to make a jet that won't work for the military. And they're like, "Oh yeah, that's a good investment." You know, we're keeping our country safe. I'm like safe from fucking what? Like you're. That's the thing. I think being a conservative comes with like a level of delusion. Because they'll say I'm small government, and then they'll be like, "If you say anything bad about a police officer, I'll literally shoot you in the face." You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, are you on crack? Like, do you know the what words mean? Once again, circling back, I think we've reached a postmodernist era where you can say whatever the hell you want, and nobody gives a hell. Nobody gives a damn. They're just like, oh yeah, makes sense. Even I think if, I think that's I think that's thanks to the internet. You think that's yeah? You think like what like nihilism? <laughs> or now I think the the you mentioned like people are just saying whatever and not really holding much weight. Yeah, I think that's. That's thanks to the internet. Internet's really affected politics. And speaking of that, did you hear the news? This this just came out yesterday, the yeah. day before we recorded this. Trump is uh, thinking about banning TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've heard. How do you, how do you feel about that? Um, I have mixed feelings. So, 
on one hand, I do think that uh, data collection is a really big issue in terms of uh, personal privacy. Um, even though I'm a leftist, I still I fucking hate the government, right? I'm an anarchist, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hate corporations and the government, both people that would give their left nut to get, like, one more crumb of information about you. So in terms of data collection, 100% I see what the uh, intent is there. But I also acknowledge that there's a hypocrisy where they're like, oh, China's collecting your data. I'm like, what the fuck is China going to do with my data that Bill Gates hasn't already sold to China? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you do you enjoy TikTok as a platform? I do. Do you think TikTok I, is I dabble. Good? Do, you, do you have TikTok? I do. Really? I do have TikTok, yeah. I I can't I can't get TikTok. I I've heard like how addicting it is. It just like I feel like I'll be sucked down the rabbit well, hole. Like I'm already on Instagram. I'm on like I'm on like the boring sphere of TikTok, right? So I'm not on the one that you actually like get entertainment value from. I'm on the one that's just like 12-year-olds that know nothing like yelling at each other about like Donald Trump. I'm on Paula TikTok. Is that what they're calling it? Oh. Yeah. Is that do you make your own TikToks? Uh, I've made a couple. They're pretty shit. I'm not <laughs> shouting it out. Okay, I really want to see this now. No. Okay. I will hang up the call before you. If you pull it up right now, I will hang up. And I'm not kidding. Okay. All right. I think I think that might be a good. Is that a good stopping point for you? To, uh, just, I think that's a, just I think that's a good. Absolutely so, expose uh, me. I I think speaking about politics. Let's say, if you were elected president, that means you'd be president king. Which I think is a little counterintuitive. Oh. Wasn't the whole point yeah. of somebody being president was, you gotta run, bro. I'm voting maybe for you. I'll, voting maybe for I'll you. take my spouse's last name. Just, just, just shout him out. Shout me out uh, when you become president. Oh, I will. Like, I'll sign an executive order that if you don't listen to Boy Grapes, you're gonna get stabbed in the face. Oh, that sounds beautiful. All right. Oh yeah. So, uh, th- this concludes the uh, the Juicy Grapes podcast. I like to thank my guest. Matthew King again. Yeah, it was a, it was a juicy conversation. Sure, uh, awesome, yeah. And make sure you guys tune in for uh, any extra episodes that may be coming out. Uh, see y'all. All right, peace.